Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it may be, wherever you are. My name is Craig Hagan, and you're listening to Rama's podcast. Um, we're here with Tony McKinnon, and we're having a cold day here in Tulsa once again. Brisk, brisk, you know, like 18 degrees. You know, um, I looked at the at the weather, and um, in a couple of days on Sunday, and we're recording this on on a Tuesday. Next Sunday, it's supposed to be minus 30, 30 degrees wind chill factor. Yeah, be like, you know, I still remember growing up in South Georgia and the, one of the coldest winters we ever experienced in the 70s. And the headline of the Atlanta Journal Constitution that day was, or the day after, was the day there was no degrees. No degrees? <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be Sunday. Zero. Yeah. So, anyway, you know, it's, it's going to be cold. But that's okay. I, I guess we we can go through our two weeks of cold, you know, and then it should be summertime. Yeah, that's right. That's why Oklahoma works. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of from you know, from frigidity to lack of humidity. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it it can be zero degrees one day and three days later be seventy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just Oklahoma where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. Yeah, it does. Anyway, we we want to invite all our listeners to um, join with us on online. Um, you know, you can if you have if you're a member of Facebook, you can go to our Facebook Raymond Podcast on the Facebook site, or Raymond Podcast on Instagram, and you can listen to the podcast there. And also, you can see pictures of Granny's attic. I mean, not much to see really. I mean, you know, you know, except for we sit in a bunch of chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, t- today I'm, I'm I'm wearing a hoodie. And you're in some kind of vest thing. Oh, this is. Uh Harriet, man, I'm just Harriet. Oh, this, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, because because your country. Yeah, Harriet, I'm Harriet from head to toe, nearly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, I, I'm Walmart from head to toe. So, <laughs> you know, Walmart, you know, sponsors my my clothing. Um, you know, they donated this to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, should, we should get Harriet the sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, the deal is they make hoodies. When you lose fifty pounds, you got to buy a new wardrobe. Yeah. Walmart's a lot cheaper than. Them. <laughs> and you're gonna lose fifty more than you know. I mean, you yeah. know, you know, whenever you only you only wear a piece of clothing for a month or so, and it's too big, which yeah. I guess is a good problem to have. You know, so you know, I'm, I'm on my way down. You know. Not sure about you, Tony, but no. <laughs> I guess you're just maintaining. Uh, well, I have lost about 12, 13 pounds oh, since okay. Christmas. Yeah. So, so you're on your way down. I'm on my way down. Okay. Uh, I reached the point of miserableness there at Christmas. Miserableness. Yeah. Looked in the mirror and I saw Santa Claus. You know, that's yeah. one thing too. Like, is looking at him. Video last year of me doing Winter Bible. <laughs> thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> so. That man's half half gone. I mean, yeah. so it's so uh, what? What this this is this is will this drop on Thursday? Yeah, this will drop on Thursday. Okay, Bible. so you spoke last night. Yes, yeah, so I spoke last night. And I'm speaking today. You're speaking today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of confusing whenever you record early. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. So join us for Winter Bible. Yeah, so we can't tell you to join us for Winter Bible because we're well. Well, I guess you can't tell us. Yeah. we're on Thursday. Yeah, I'm in the you future. Know, you're, you're in the future. <laughs> yeah, come on, get yeah. with me. So you know, depending on what time I drop it, you know, if yeah. I drop it, you know, early enough, they could actually watch you. Yeah. So what 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 time do you speak on Thursday? Nine thirty. Nine thirty, and then you can you can you can go back and watch me on demand. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Seven you know, o'clock. Seven o'clock. But you know, you, you rest of the week, so we'll air on Thursday and Friday, um, eight thirty, nine thirty, ten thirty a.m. 
and then 7 p.m. Central Time. Central Time. You know, now, if you happen to be in Hong Kong, you'll have to figure out what Hong time it is. Just ask Siri. Yeah, so you have to have Siri. You know, sometimes yeah. it is interesting. That, you know, think about being at Raymond, having you know, minister friends all around the world. Is you have to see what time it is, you know. Um, you know, of course, the great thing is now we have text. So even if you so the, it would happen to be two in the morning, you can so you can text them, and they might even be up. I know when I travel a lot of times overseas, my time zone's never, never right. You know, in fact, one time, I don't know where I was, and I'd, I'd call home like at three three o'clock in the morning because it was, <laughs> you know, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. So it's a good time. So anyway, we, we have Pastor Earl Glisson again joining with us. Um, you know, here on the Raymond podcast. So, Pastor Earl um, pastors Anchor Faith Church in St. Augustine, Florida. And um, welcome to cold Oklahoma. Man, it's freezing. You know, I think yeah. the hardest thing is is to wait for me to be introduced because y'all are saying so many funny things in the introduction. I'm like, I can't act like I'm here yet. Yeah. Well, you, you can always show up early. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure what the protocol was. So yeah. I'm like laughing over here. There is no yeah. protocol. Yeah. Poop bears over here. Yeah. yeah, last one we found out that he wants to be poop yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah. He just told us he's got hair everywhere. So it's, this is a manifestation. Hey. Wow. All right. Well, we'll, we'll what, what, what is the subject we're talking about today, Earl? Uh, I, I want us to you know, take some time to actually talk a little bit about um, equipping people. Um, you know, the Bible, the Lord, and we call it the Great Commission, right? To go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? And he said, go make disciples. Um, you know, and it's pastoring now in one location for 17 years, but, you know, being in ministry for over 20, um, you begin to realize, especially the way the trends of just society is in general, um, and then some of the things that you see the church do, it's almost like, you know, if we don't watch out, we're changing that to say, go into all the world and make converts. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously making a convert is not making a disciple, right? Now, you can't even be a disciple unless you're first converted. Go into all the world and collect decisions. Right. Uh-oh. Exactly. Yeah. But you get gold stars for that, right? I mean, I mean, know. it makes your graphs at the end of the year look great. Like yeah. you've done something awesome, right? Up to the right. Um, well, you know. you know, I actually, this is, I talked to a, a pastor who was in charge of, of doing them, you know, outreach every weekend. And, and so, you know, he would talk about that. They had so many people pray the sinner's prayer or whatever. And I said, well, do you get their phone number? Oh, you know, you know people don't want to give you their phone number. I said, well, what about an email? I mean, people are more apt to give you an email address. I mean, I mean so, I mean, what good are you doing if you're just going out and, right. and you know, you're getting some, because I actually, I know some friends that have been in some of those bars that, who, who would probably say the sinner's prayer just to get you out of their face, um, yep. you know, you know, yep. you know, and not even really mean it. They just, they just want to get you out of their face because it's one thirty or two o'clock on a Saturday evening and they're a little inebriated and, sure. you know. Well, I mean, you know, what's the scripture say? It says, you know, they confess with their lips, but their hearts far from me. And I think a lot of people can get these events, especially, you know, when we pull them in by, you know, having things to give to them and then um, say a message and then they'll recount, um, recite a, you know, a prayer with us for the sake of collecting what they came for in the first place, which was a natural thing and wasn't necessarily a supernatural thing. Um, so, so a lot of people are just gathering information, but they're not being equipped. Yeah, exactly. You know, developing a knowledge base. And then, you know, when we get over into Ephesians chapter 4, you know, uh, we obviously know verse 11 says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. And then we get over to verse 12 and it says 4. Now, 4 is purpose. 
Okay, that's the purpose of the fivefold ministry. And, um, you know, again, you know, just to say it, because, uh, you know, people will say, well, you know, I don't need to go to church. You know, I don't need a pastor. I mean, God speaks to me. You know, the Bible says that you don't need to be taught by a man. Well, really? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says the hand can't tell the foot. I don't need you. So the minute you say you don't need a pastor, then you're unscriptural. Right. So, again, if we're going to use scripture, you know, let's use it in context. What he meant by you don't need a man to teach you, it means that you're not limited to a high priest interpreting the law for you. You know, the book of uh, the, the pro- any law of the prophets or the law of Moses to you, you actually have the third person of the Godhead saying what he just said is truth. You can accept that as truth. You know, it reminds me of my days at Rama when I'm sitting in, you know, listening to the authority of the believer or ABCs of faith or, you know, um, you know, about healing. You know, I'm hearing these, these instructors speak to me about the subjects that I've not even known existed like that in the word of God. Yet the whole time, the spirit of God on the inside of me says what he's saying is true. Bear witness. What she just said was right. Look at this right here, and then give me a couple more scriptures, you know, that they didn't even quote, and, and the Lord's teaching me while it's coming out of their voice, they're being led by the Spirit. So, again, if we're going to, you know, do it right, let's, let's keep it in context. You need the pastor, evangelist, prophet, you know, teacher, and the apostle. You know, Earl, you, you read that there, uh, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. I'm, I'm fond of the voice translation. Okay. Uh, some, especially my devotional reading, and I'm always curious when I look up verses. But here is that Ephesians 4, 12 okay. from the voice. Uh, so that God's people would be thoroughly equipped to minister and build up the body of the anointed one. Yeah. I like that. That's really good. Yeah. So for, for his purpose, and then the purpose is the following phrase, for the equipping. Right. You know, as you said, thoroughly equipped, which is very important. It's not just a half equip, right? It's not just a quick little saying, you know, oh, let me hear you say this little prayer, and then you're good. When you die, you go to heaven stuff. I mean, the church is designed for something greater than that. Now, the Bible in basic English actually says it this way. It says, for the training of the saints. Uh, as servants in the church for the building of the body of Christ. And the New Living Translation says their responsibility, again, that being the fivefold ministry, is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church and the body of Christ. You know, how many people go to church and think it's the pastor's job to do the work? Yeah. Yeah. Just you know. just covering this in class yesterday uh, right here. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, because, again, it's the church. We're all necessary. I mean, I need the congregation just as much as they need me. And, um, you know, often I'll say, you know, there's things that God's put in our heart to do, but we can't do it because, you know, the people aren't here to do it yet. You know, the ones that are assigned to that particular task, you know, and I say, you know, the vision is bigger than any one of us, but it takes every one of us to accomplish it. Right. And um, if people would, you know, buy into that and understand church, then I think, you know, we as an organization or really the body of Christ would be uh, advancing God a lot quicker because there'd be a little bit more buy-in, you know. Uh, they'd see their necessity. But then again, it comes to the difference between um, educating people and equipping people, and there's a big difference. Uh, one of the things that we cover in, uh, in my pastoral class, you know, you're thinking about counseling, you're thinking about pastoral care, and in that context, one of the statements that we bring up is that uh, one of the main um, jobs of the church uh, is to equip members to handle their own crisis yeah, and then equip them to help others in crisis. That's good. So it doesn't, it doesn't stop with you. It doesn't see? stop with you. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, Craig, I was thinking here at Ramo, we equip equippers. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, I was equipped as an equipper here. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, something else I was thinking about, uh, uh, illustration my mom gives sometimes, you know, talking about everyone, you know, the person's not here yet, you know, to, to fill, fulfill their piece. There's been times where she'll walk in with a, with a puzzle and hand everybody a piece. Now, the only way to put the puzzle together is if everyone could put their piece inside that yeah. puzzle. Yeah, right. You know, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're all work together. You know, we're not just out, out on our own and things like that. So. Yeah, that's so true. So, you know, the word equipped in and of itself just by definition means to furnish or provide with whatever is needed for use over any undertaking outfit as a ship or an army, which I think is really interesting because, again, I was in the Army, uh, Florida Army National Guard for nine years, and I remember, you know, when I went off to basic training, the first week was amazing, just to be honest with you. You know, they bring you in, they start doing all the end processing. You know, they they talk to you real nice, you know, give you a nice little haircut, and they give you all the clothes you're ever going to wear, Right. Um, you know, you, all your medicals taken care of, you know, and then they move you around to the other side of the base to where the actual training starts. And many of your bus stops, you know, screaming and yelling and, <laughs> you know, it starts to happen. And, um, but they're there to, uh, equip us. And, um, so they outfit us with everything we're going to need for our training. And, uh, you know, too often, again, if we get into just a conversion mindset, you know, we ask people to ask Jesus in their hearts so they'll be saved. So when they die, they go to heaven. And that's like, that's it. Um, they're not equipped at all. Mm-mm. And then from there, it seems like, you know, if we don't watch out, you know, or a lot of people have just began to accept um, basically developing a trivia mindset with the Bible. You know, um, who killed Goliath? David. Oh, look, see, I know. Well, what good's that when you've got a giant screaming at you one day? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you put a rock in your sling? You know, there's a difference there. Yeah, this ain't Jeopardy. This isn't Jeopardy, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So the devil's never impressed with your knowledge of God. Yeah. Uh, the question is, can you utilize it? And that's the difference between being equipped and you know just being educated. So again, when he says, you know, he came to equip the saints, so that does not mean to educate only. And, um, you know, I think we just, you know, in our society, what do we hear all the time? We hear it all the time from really every sector of society. If they could just get a better education, we hear it all the time, Mm -hmm. you know. And just think, you know, when that started, I mean, if we just go back to the turn of the, you know, 1900s, I mean, how many universities were around then compared to today? Yeah. I mean, what kind of access to knowledge do we have today? And so let me ask this question. Are we a better society? I mean, how many uh, degreed people do we have in the United States right now? How many bachelors or masters? I mean, in comparison, I would say probably a lot larger. And don't even know which bathroom to go to. Very statistically <laughs> different, you know. Um, and, um, you know, I did had one person in our church do a study based upon just violent crimes. Uh, do a comparison between the early turn of the century based upon colleges and universities to today. And um, it's a pretty staggering statistics, the difference. And it didn't get better. We didn't get better as a society the smarter we became in the context of we just need a better education. So, you know, there's this selling to the world that if, you know, you're in a bad spot or you come from a, you know, rough place or, you know, you don't have the same advantage as everyone else, 
you know, the key to life is just go get educated. Now, I'm not downing education. Don't get me wrong. I think you need to know things, right? Um, you know, going to school is not a negative thing. Um, but God had a better thing called being equipped. Yeah. And when you become equipped in the word, then I can tell you right now, um, you're allowing the creator of heaven and earth to give you access to stuff that no professor at a university, I don't care how many letters are behind his name based upon some man saying he's that intelligent. Uh, you have the third person of the Godhead personally um, mentoring you. He is your um, uh, personal tutor. And I don't, I don't know why we're not tapping into more of that. Yeah. So equipment's a big deal. You know, the pursuit of knowledge alone often only hinders growth, actually. Um, many people are choked on information uh, by constantly pursuing the next bit of information. Well, Paul said that alone puffs just puffs you up, give you a big head. That's exactly <laughs> right. You know, so, you know, if we haven't applied the last piece of knowledge that we receive, why should we get more? And uh, Jesus said this, man, which is pretty powerful in John chapter 16, verse 12. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. <laughs> you know, you can't bear them now. Now, notice he didn't say you couldn't learn them. Mm, that's good. So knowing and bearing are two different things, right? So you can bear something that you cannot bear something that you do not know, but you can know something that you're unwilling to bear. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, especially in our own society today, you see Christians going from conference to conference, camp to camp, so to speak, you know, denomination to denomination, trying to find that next bit of knowledge, that little bit of tidbit of, you know, what they would consider revelation. But you know as well as I do, especially they teach here at Rhema, is that, you know, just because you see it in Scripture doesn't mean anything unless it's revealed to you by the Spirit in the first place. I mean, I've read the Bible now, you know, with the church that we launched back in 2004, uh, 2004 you know, we challenge our church every year to read the Bible cover to cover, cover to cover. I mean, that's our single greatest success is our people actually read the Bible. But every time I go through the Bible, man, I'm like finding something new. I oh, didn't yeah. see the time before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's alive. It's always living. But, you know, again, there's certain things God didn't reveal to me till I learned a few other things. I remember mm -hmm. walking this one guy through, you know, divorce, marriage and remarriage. And I'm just he's hung up, man, on, you know, remarriage, man, just hung up. And, you know, and I'm showing him some things in Scripture, you know, and the Lord's like, this guy doesn't understand the love of God. So don't talk to him about marriage, divorce, and remarriage again. You only talk to him about the love of God. So I started talking about the love of God, and he got aggravated. And I realized, <laughs> you're not going to know this subject in the Word until you under have revelation of the love of God. And, you know, but again... People develop knowledge of things, and then because they're not thoroughly equipped, then you run the risk of um, misapplying truths. Yeah. You know, but think you're all right, and you're not at all. So, you know, bear means to take up in order to carry or uh, to put upon oneself, and um, Jesus has realized, you know, there's some things that, you know, if we try to have a conversation, you're just not going to be able to actually walk in. You know, so I think we really need to apply what we have already learned. The reason why we develop knowledge of God's word is so that we can actually apply it to our lives. And that's the difference between just being educated and actually being equipped in the first place. So he said in, uh, you know, Luke chapter 16, verse 10, he said, he who is faithful in very little be faithful in much. Right. And um, so knowledge of good and evil. Right. Man, at that juncture, when the Lord says to him, he says, now, you know, um, don't eat the fruit in the middle of the garden. 
And then the devil deceives them and says, you know, you'll be like God knowing good and evil. So there's knowledge of good and evil. Man thinks he'll be more like God if he just has knowledge. When the truth is he was already like God. Man was already created in his image. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's some things that God just doesn't want us to know necessarily because it may not be to our advantage. So once you're born again, you can't be any more like God. So knowledge of God is designed to release what you already are in Christ. And this is why we're discovering who we are. I mean, once you're born again, you're trying to discover that. But once you discover that, then you want to walk in it. You know, there's a difference between a person who knows who they are and a person who doesn't. Yeah. So it's not the more you know about God that makes you like God. It's the application of what you know that proves you are like God. Yeah. And the equipment is to release this thing, you know. So if we... You know, and I say this often, if we only educate the body, then the best we can produce is a Pharisee. And you know what a Pharisee is. That's a person who has knowledge of God misapplied because they just talk about, I know this, I know that, I know this. But the reality is when it comes to the trials of life or handling situations, they don't actually apply it to themselves. I mean, Jesus rebuked them on more than one occasion and says, look, you tell them what to do, but you don't even do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, he tells the, the crowd, he said, now do what they say. Just don't do what they do, yeah. which means they give the appearance, you know, that they're equipped. But the reality is they only have a knowledge base that's not even actual uh, applicable to their lives or they don't use the application. He says, you know, if you're going to hear them, you need to actually do, which, again, Jesus says, you know, you got to do my word. How many people say they love Jesus, but then don't love him the way he says to love them? And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my word. Mm hmm. And by this, the law men know that you, my disciples, if you love one another. Yeah, he would say that you, you, you'll know people know you love me because you love me. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know how much hate do we have? Yeah. You know, in, in the world that we live in, you know, and, and just there doesn't seem to be a lot of love for one Hateful another. Hateful people claiming they love Jesus. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I mean, I'm talking, you know, not among the the non Christians. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you know how how many times if somebody throws something on Facebook or one of the, you know, and then there's all kinds of hate. I mean, just spewing off to, to other Christian brothers and sisters in Christ that that you know a lot of them you know are even supposedly supposed to be in fellowship with each other, mm-hmm. right? You know, and there there's a, a lot of hate going on, and so you know, I mean, the Bible clearly says that that if we'll love each other. Then that's you know, then we love him. So if we don't love each other, I guess we don't love him because we're all made in, in the same image. That's exactly of, right. Of God, you know, the the whole equipping thing. You know, it's interesting. So, you know, let, let's just take somebody who knows nothing about football, and so let, so let's go to a a, a a website and teach them all the rules, or even show them a YouTube video. You know, of, of people, but that doesn't help them. You know, they got to experience it for themselves. Yeah, right. I mean, they got to do it for themselves. You know, there's, there's there's nothing like being there at practice. Um, you know, and, and somebody, you know, just just because you watch a, a YouTube video or, and you know, and I believe now that for whatever reason that we want to educate ourselves by YouTube videos, and you know, I mean, just because you know, I, I actually happened to watch a video and and fix my my washing machine in my house, you know, so I was able to buy a, a, another motor and things like that. I was able to do it. Doesn't doesn't mean that I'm a I'm a repairman now. That's to, right. And I can go to everybody's house and fix Craig's fix, appliance. You know, you know Craig's I, I, appliance. I like that. Yeah, I can't have yeah. my own appliance center. Yeah. You know, now now the great thing about something like YouTube is if I'm trying to fix your dryer, I can, I can watch another video. Right. And, and maybe, but but I, I probably had to watch that video ten times. And then even when I was when I was 
re putting all the bolts back in. I had to rewatch this. Okay, where where did that piece go? Where did that piece go? Because you know, it's it's one thing to put your appliance back together with a few missing pieces, <laughs> right? And, and it's not going to work. Yeah, and so, true. You know, and that's the thing is sometimes whenever we're you know we're educating ourselves, we miss a few pieces, and now we're not really equipped. I mean, yeah. I mean, what happens if you're um you're trying to if you if you putting your weapon back together don't put your weapon back together correctly you know the enemy comes and you that's right you, and you, you can't fire you can't fire yeah and that's how a lot of people are you know we think we're equipped you know but we've just been taught yeah and we haven't experienced it for ourselves i mean you know it's 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 one thing to watch a youtube video how to shoot guns another thing go to the range and Actually shoot them shoot yourself them. Yeah. right and then it's an even another thing to be able to shoot it in a, in a stressful situation where you're being shot at. Yeah, it's a whole other uh, ball game. Which I've never been in before, yeah. but well, except for paintball wars. Um, but, <laughs> which is still different. Which is still different, yeah, because, you know, you get a little paint on you. Now, the bad thing about it is a big guy doesn't have an advantage in a paintball game. <laughs> you know, there's not a tree that can hide me or, or what, whatever. So. Well, I mean, but you are dropping weight, so, yeah. Yeah, so. we're getting less. Yeah. You know, I find it interesting because Paul's the one who wrote the letter to the Ephesian church about being equipped. And over in his Philippian letter, if anyone understood about education alone and the problem mm-hmm. that it had, it is Paul, right? You know, he said, you know, in Ephesians 3, starting verse 5, he said, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, um, concerning righteousness, which is of the law, blameless, right? But then he goes on and says, but what these things were gained to me. In essence, this guy had degrees, Yep. right? He said, I count as loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Lord uh, Jesus, my Lord, of whom I suffer the loss of all things and count them a rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. Right. And he said, you know, he said, I want to know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So Paul um, developed the ability to be equipped because he applied what he learned from Christ in each situation that he ever encountered. And it reminds me when I was in the army, you know, going back, you know, YouTube, YouTube obviously wasn't around back in the day, but when I went in the army, you know, we had weapons qualifications, what they called it, which basically is teaching you how to deal with a weapon. And one specific one that I remember, you know, um, was the hand grenade. Now I went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and so Fort Jackson, South Carolina has pine trees, so they produce these nice things called pine cones. And pine cones are about the same size yep. as a hand grenade. And so when we first went out there, they let us pick up pine cones. And they said, all right, take this pine cone, and we want you to throw it, you know, out like it's a hand grenade. You know, so anyone that had any uh, athletic ability or sports, you know, uh, past, um, every one of us wind up like we were pitching. And we chunked it. And everyone that did that, I remember our dress hunt says, all of you just died. Now, what's crazy about that, it's not like I threw it out my foot anyway. I mean, I chunked it down, um, you know, pretty far from it. But they began to communicate. How many of you have ever thrown a ball like this and it, you know, slipped out of your hand, right? And obviously, we all have had that situation where you just throw a bad ball. But so he said, this is actually how you do Even it. Tom Brady has thrown a few bad Even balls. Tom. Yeah. yeah. You know, seventh, you know, championship, go Bucks, right? Um, but with that being said, um, you know, they had to retrain even how we threw it. 
So a lot of times, you know, people have a knowledge of God or what they think they know about God and they try to apply a certain way, but ultimately to get them in trouble because they're really not doing it in a cor correct technique. From there, we progress to this thing called a dummy grenade, which is basically the same weight, feel, the look of a grenade, same functionality. It had a, a pin on it. You pull out, you let go of the clip, and you would throw it. And, um, you know, one thing they never trained us was that when you pull the pin, you let go of the clip, and then you hold it for about five seconds. We never learned that. We only <laughs> learned pull the pin and throw. You only, this ain't movie stuff, right? And, um, you know, we practiced that for a while. From there, we would go into the classroom, and they end up doing a diagram, breaking down the whole hand grenade, and then they, you have to be tested on that. And I sit down, and they give me all these blank lines, you know, but the diagram of the hand grenade, and you have to fill in what everything is. I made 100 on that. But the Army did not qualify me with that weapon just because I made 100 on a piece of paper. You know, I could tell you where the firing charge was, where the pin was, safety pin. You know, I could tell you about the shell, the whole thing at the time. Um, but that wasn't enough. I was knowledgeable. Right. I was even knowledgeable about its weight through experience, but I still was not equipped at all. Um, in order to be equipped, I had to go and do a live round. And so I'll never forget the day we went to the range, man. I mean, this concrete building was like, I mean, so much concrete wasn't even funny, and the, the glass that you could look through was so thick. Now, I don't know, you know, if this was just set up for us. probably was, you know. But, you know, when you looked in the little, it basically looked like a racquetball court, you know, with small walls. Um, you know, there were chunks taken out of the inside of the walls. And um, so you got to see the effects of those hand grenades that had gone off inside the room. And down at the front, there's like this little place where, you know, if one fell, it could be kicked down a little trap so it would roll out and then ultimately not hinder the two people in there. And, you know, they would have a few people doing them. So you're hearing the percussion now, you know, you're feeling the shock wave of this thing going off on the other side of the wall. You're hearing it, man. I mean, it's just like, and you're feeling it. All of a sudden, you know, feelings weren't a part of this process. You know, all we did was just in a controlled climate environment where I'm writing on a piece of paper, right? I'm out underneath, you know, some trees, and I'm chunking something that doesn't have any explosives. So if I accidentally drop it, it really doesn't matter. So there's no risk there. But all of a sudden now I'm in a place where I'm seeing it kick stuff up from behind the wall. I'm feeling the percussion. I'm seeing the debris, uh, chunks of concrete taken out of inside of a room that I'm fixing to walk in. And, uh, you know, I think there was some red on the wall. I'm sure that was probably just paint. But, you know, they're trying to get in your head. Impression. Right? And then they tell you this story. Probably the same story they tell every basic training group when they come through. They said, now, a couple weeks ago, we had a private that got up in there and got scared and dropped it. And the drill sergeant went and threw him out of the way and kicked it in. And he kicked it in just enough time to save the private, but it blew his leg off, and he's been medically discharged. And that's the story. Now let's go. So, again, they're trying to apply emotional pressure because when the emotions of life show up, even if you have knowledge... If you let the emotions take over, you don't apply. And so when you get in there, the first thing we learn, the first thing they have you do is you hold it with the pin, you know, your, your firing mechanism, so you got it in your fist, and you pull that safety pin out. And what he does is he says, pull it out, and then he, you hold that pin, and he says, now put it back in. And what he's doing, he's looking to see how nervous they are. 
right? <laughs> so you pull it out and you put it back in. You know, because here's the thing about being equipped. Sometimes you need to know when to throw it and when not to throw mm. it. And, you know, you get in the emotions of battle. You know, more of our um, military um, veterans that did not come home, there's been a lot that came didn't come home because of friendly fire, not yeah. because of enemy fire. And um, But, you know, once they saw your steady, you pull it, and he says, no, when you pull it, you throw it. And then we hug up against the wall, and I pulled that pin and threw it. The man felt the percussion, and at that juncture, as far as the U.S. Army was, I was equipped to throw a hand grenade. Now, there's one layer beyond this that I've never seen because I've never been in active battle. So I do not know what it's like to know when I pull this pin and throw it that that person I see coming at me they're not going to make it, and I know that, but I throw it anyway. Um, you know, the Word of God is not just a knowledge base for us just to quote Scripture, and, and you know, because the devil's not impressed on how many Scriptures we can quote in the first place. Um, the minute Jesus started quoting Scripture to him in the temptation, it is written. He came back and says, I got some Scripture I can quote to you too. Um, notice, you know, his temptation wasn't until Jesus got into some very emotionally vulnerable places. And um, most of the trials and tribulations we ever experience in life is typically when we're emotionally vulnerable. Some real things have happened in our life. But it's only then that you stand. Mm -hmm. Because so equipping puts you in that perspective. This is why I love about Brother Hagan. When he, and Pastor Hagan says it himself, Craig says it as well, um, that, you know, the the spirit of faith is caught, not taught. Although you've got to be taught the word, you have to catch it. I mean, you've got to get in those situations where you're around all these other people that have gone through something, right, and stood. I'm not looking for the person who didn't stand. I'm looking for the one who overcame, the one who was staring that straight down, you know, and saying, it's going to be this way, period. I remember one of my first faith battles that I had. My wife said, I believe this is our house. We moved back to St. Augustine to start the church, and we leased it. It was like a lease to own. And, um, you know, and I was convinced she was right. I got an agreement with her. This is our house. Well, you know, we had never bought a house. You know, I never, you know, even tried to get financing for a house. So, you know, all of a sudden, nine months in, this guy's wanting us to buy it. And he's telling me, you know, I got a guy, people that want to pay cash for the house right now, you know, so y'all need to do something. So a lot of pressures there. We've never bought one. You know, I'm working outside the church, just came on with the church, you know, hadn't hardly been there, you know, and I'm at my office, you know, thinking, and we were like 15 months in as a new start work, right? And I remember seeing an ad and something on the inside called this. So I called him, you know, and started a process with a lady by the name of Gail. And um, about getting a house. And she said, my, my dad was a pastor, da-da-da-da-da, right? We started a whole very easy process for me. But I started getting letters in the mail that said, you've been denied. You've been denied. Various reasons, obviously, again, 15 months, you know, being in this one location, even though we've done ministry and stuff. And so my wife's like, man, what are we going to do type conversation? Well, there was this particular plan out front that I knew we were going to remove because it was kind of causing some rot with the place. I went out there to start digging it up. She goes, what are you doing? This is not even our house. I said, this is our house. <laughs> you believe this was our house? I'm in agreement. We're going to get this place. Nothing. So I didn't allow the emotions. I allowed the fact that I'm a giver. You know, I sow. 
I'm only here because you called me. Lord, you said this was our house, and even though things are saying it's not, I don't just have knowledge that you'll do this for me. I believe. And so in the midst of that adversity, we continue to believe. I ripped that whole thing out, man, and I chunked it down the road. It's like my statement of faith. Well, probably the next week we got approved. Next thing you know, we're signing with this guy, and he's like, I can't believe I sold the house for that cheap. Right, type deal. And we lived in that house for 13 years before we sold and went to the one I'm in now. Point being, that's just one of many different challenges that I've personally had or I've been with others through that the knowledge of the word wasn't enough. It was being equipped in the word that allowed them to actually overcome. And I think many fall away because they only want to know trivia about God. Yeah. And then when something doesn't seem to work at their pace, you know, you said when you were with us, Craig, with the Living Faith Crusade, everybody, we, we're in the microwave generation. Everybody wants it to happen right now. So they have this knowledge of God that he heals. They have the knowledge of God that he provides. They have the knowledge of God, you know, that you can have joy for, you know, your morning. They have this knowledge, but then the application of that doesn't fit their time frame. And so we come to find out you really were never equipped. You just had a bunch of knowledge of God because you could say hallelujah in service like nobody's business. You could run around even. You could speak in tongues even. But now that this is hit, we find out whether you're actually equipped or was God really a trivia God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you see people at church and they're singing songs of victory and how they're victorious. And then they go home and open the mailbox and see some kind of, like I said, denial letters or, or, or bills or whatever, they don't act victorious. You know, That's they, right. They, they don't, because, you know, they don't, they have a knowledge of victorious, but they don't, they don't know how to, how to have victory. You know, it's one, I mean, there's nothing that you can describe that, 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 you know, when you, when you win a big game or a big battle, or especially if it's like the state championship or whatever, you can't describe, you know, the, the feeling. I mean, obviously, we just had a Super Bowl, you know, and Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl, yep. you know. But, but you know, I, I'm sure he's been there six more. Well, actually, he's been to the Super Bowl many times. He's lost a few as well. Yeah. But he's won six times. But I'm, but the seventh time probably even felt better than the last time. That, you know, this course, obviously, another team and things like that. I mean, there was this you – can't, you can't explain your feeling. You know? Yeah. I mean, you almost have to experience it for yourself. I mean, you know? just think of just the adversity he had probably mentally anyway. You know, you're yeah. the oldest quarterback ever, right? Uh, you know, you're the last organization we were with for 20 years, basically saying, you know, we got to move on without you, right? And you're like, man, I still got stuff in the tank. He had to believe that more, you know, with a brand new team in a COVID year where you couldn't get the training, you know, the off-season practice, all this stuff taking place, you know, yet you have to take, you have to let go of that mental, because the enemy, what's he do? He attacks us mentally, you know, he comes to our mind. He's trying to bombard our brain that it ain't going to happen. God's word can't come to pass. You're really not that good. You know, you can't do that personally. Do you know where you came from? What's the color of your skin? Do you really, I mean, he attacks on all levels, right? But when you get equipped in the word, then you realize, you know, I'm a child of God. I am who God says I am. I can have what God says I can have. I can do what God says I can do. So all of these things I take captive because I'm equipped to handle it, you know. And I tell our congregation, I said, if Paul was the greatest person to be here during this time, God would have saved him for today. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But we're here. Yeah. So Paul couldn't have been better for this time or God would have waited. 
So you're exactly who God needed to be here at the end. And again, when you close out in baseball, right, and they bring in their, you know, closing pitcher, they don't bring in someone who's not great. They they bring in someone who can can bring the heat to close it out. Yeah. You know, and if we're living in the last days and God's given the ones who can handle the pressure. I mean, think about that. You've got to get these three outs. Yeah. I mean, that's different than, you know, well, I got the second inning. Well, you know, we'll get the third. You know, we can get to the fourth. You know, we. this is it. You, you got three outs, man. So bring your best, right? And you want someone who can confidently get up there and, and not waver and let the nerves of that situation take place. And we see this with athletes all the time. I remember going to a particular uh, Sawgrass one and saw Tiger Woods shank one over into the rough. First time I've ever been to a golf tournament and they, people are so close to him it's not even funny and he's there in a bunch of pine needles and he's got to hit this ball out of the rough i'm thinking geez man then they do the whole get quiet stuff so it's like you know everybody's staring at you yet he just blocks all that out because he's equipped i know how to swing i know what this club would do i just get rid of all the distractions and i go it's not enough that he was knowledgeable is that he was equipped to be able to get it out of that position that he was in and, um, you know, we as pastors and ministries, you know, we have to get back to saying we need to equip our body. You know, there's this fallacy I'm finding today is that many ministers are basing the success of their ministry on how many people they have in their seats. But it brings me back. And, you know, Tony, you're, you're from South Georgia. You know how this is. You know, there's fields in farming. And if a farmer had 100 acres, right, and next to him was another farm that's 1,000 acres, right? Well, if all of a sudden you plant, let's say, peanuts, right, and you look out at that 1,000-acre peanut field and then this guy across the way is 100, which one looks like they got more? <laughs> right? I mean, there's 1,000 acres of peanut plants. Here's 100 acres of peanuts plants. Surely this is a successful farmer. But you're only successful if you have the fruit right. of the plant, right? Having the knowledge of being able to put a seed in and it de- develop a plant isn't enough. You actually got to harvest. Well, what if that 1,000 acres only produced 50 acres of peanuts? But this 100, he gets a bumper crop. Yeah. Well, then who was really the most successful one? And too often, you know, the more people, again, when we get conversion-driven, we got to fill the church. We got to fill the church. We got to keep bringing people in. We got to keep bringing people in. We got to keep bringing people in. And you get feeling, look how successful we are. We have 200, 500, 700, 1,000. We have 1,200 people in our church. The question is, are any of them equipped? Yeah. Are they even equipped? Because Jesus said to go make disciples and then said the fivefold ministry to equip the saints. I would much rather have equipped. And I don't, you know, statistically, our church isn't even small. I mean, we're in the top 10% of the United States as far as how many people attend our church, right? But that's not the point. The point is of that, how many of them can handle the adversity when it comes? Because Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trials and tribulations. And that word there, tribulation, Jesus used it, Paul used it. It's all over the New Testament. It's the Greek word, thlipsis. Sounds like something you need a shot of penicillin for. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it means, in the simplest terms, it means pressure. Yeah. Jesus said, you know what? In this world, you're going to have pressure. 
but be of good cheer. It didn't say drink good beer. Just yep. be of good cheer. I've already overcome. And yep. equip, equipped people overcome. Equipped people overcome. This is why I love coming back to Rama. Yeah. Because I get around equipped people that overcome. They fight the good fight of faith. They do not allow the pressures to derail them from right. and the ones that I've seen not come consistent, Pastor Craig, are the ones that tend to struggle, you know, because equipping is something you do. There's no way Tom Brady wins this Super Bowl. There's no way he wins if he doesn't continue to equip his body yeah. and mind yeah. to handle the pressures of the game. Mm-hmm. But how many times we go to Bible school? We get our degree, right? We get our piece of paper, our certificate. Now they have said with their name, the president of the organization, that we are educated, right? And we never go back ever. Well, I'll I'll give you a good example. I have an accounting degree. Okay. I mean, you know. I don't. I don't even know what the tax code is right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, at one time, you know, I, I could do taxes backwards and forwards. You know, and things. And I mean, obviously, over over time, you know, tax rates go up, tax rates go down, and people, you know, ask me tax questions. I'm like, well, I'll have to look it up. I mean, right. I, I mean, I don't know. But but how, how many how many people are like that in ministry or or just in life? In life, yeah. You know, you know well, they've learned a lot, but you know, like I said, in order for me to, to be a good CPA. I mean, I, I have to continue to re-educate myself so I can re-equip myself, you know, and, and, and I'm not like that because I'm not called to be an accountant. You know, I don't even work with accounting in, in our own ministry. You know, I'm, I'm called to be a minister. And so, so I mean, I'm, I'm a terrible accountant, um, you know, and, and sometimes I, I, if I don't have a calculator, I can't even add numbers together. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got you. And, and, and so, but but how many how many ministers are as a bad minister as I am an accountant, you know, mm. because, um, you know, yeah, I mean, just because you're a pastor, I mean, I mean, you talked about the last program. I mean, you, you were there on staff at, at a, you know, volunteer staff, but, but, you know, you were the youth minister yeah, and you really weren't equipped to, to do your job. You know, now, now your thing was lack of knowledge. I mean, you, you didn't, you didn't know, you know, you know, so, but some people have no excuse. I mean, you know, they, yeah, true. I mean, they, they've been trained, um, you know, but they don't apply themselves. And, you know, and a lot of times we have to apply ourselves, like I said, it's, it's not just physical, it's also mental as well. And knowing who we are in Christ Jesus and knowing what we've, you know, we've been accomplished because he has, he has overcame. And, and so a lot of, a lot of our, of our thing is equipping our mind, you know, as, as well as, as ourself. Yeah. And again, it's the fivefold ministry's responsibility to equip right. the saints, which means there's a level of equipping the saints can never attain to without us. Poo. Yeah. cannot happen. I don't care if the Holy Ghost is in you because right. that's part of my part of the body. And since it is, it's my responsibility. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to be doubly judged because of that, right? So you don't take it lightly. But the reality is you're never going to produce the fruit that you were designed to do. That's why, you know, when people think church is optional, right? church is not optional. It is the life bread of your equipping so that you can handle the pressures of life right. successfully. Because, again, equipping is not mere knowledge. It is teaching you how to handle pressures and how to navigate emotions, right? And when to um, release certain things or whether to hold on to it, right? You know, just because, like in this last year, you know, there was a lot of things happening on the news. Does equipped believers have to respond to everything? Is it our requirement 
that we have to make sure we say something so everyone knows that we have a opinion on the matter. You know, it reminds me of Jesus, man. I remember my congregation when the particular things were happening last year in the world in different places, you know, and, you know, the pressure of what's your stance, what do you believe, you know, because then the world's basically saying if I don't do a response, that's a response, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember I said, you know, they came to Jesus with a woman calling adultery. And they said, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? You know, Jesus didn't respond. He just kneeled down and started writing in the sand. I said, I told our church, I said, your pastor's writing in the sand. Because I just can't say something just because something happened. The world doesn't tell me that I have to respond. Yeah. Jesus said, I only speak what the Father says. And when you're equipped, then you're not pressured by the things that are happening in the world. Because the world's lost. You know, sinners are going to sin. <laughs> I mean, sinners are going to sin. They're going to live behavior that's contrary to the kingdom. You know, so if you want me to say something, then you're going to have to give me at least five hours. <laughs> because I'm not going to put a scripture out that you're going to come back, as Pastor Craig already said, and give me your 1,500 comments of your mm-hmm. not rightly dividing the word of truth to try to tell me that my scripture isn't right or I'm not listening right. You know, we're not going to have this conversation. Yeah. So, you know. You're not going to hear me post something out there, um, you know. But if you want to talk to me personally, well, then we can have a conversation. But you got to ask the question: Do you have ears to hear? Yeah, you yeah. know. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot to say about being equipped, but yeah. um, you know, one place you can get equipped is Rainbow Bible Training College. And That's true. So, you know, may, maybe you're out there and you're saying, "Man, I, I don't, I don't even know how to walk this godly life." I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't I mean I have some knowledge of God's word, but, but, but I mean, you know. Not just being a minister, just being a Christian. I, I think right. I think we you know we need to be equipped to be a Christian, especially in the twenty first century. Um, you know, I, I think following the leading of the of the Spirit is very important because you know th- there's many things that are happening all over the world. You know, and like I said, I, I know people that were not in the World Trade Center during nine eleven because the Lord said, you know, stop. I mean, one guy stopped for coffee, and mm-hmm. then and on his way. On his way driving up there, he watched the building go down. And if, if he wouldn't have stopped for coffee, um, you know, that extra 15 minutes saved his life. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I've heard people, you know, not being on certain airplanes, different things. I mean, I mean, in the, you know, you know, being car bombs, all kinds of things happen, different, different things. And I think in today's day and age, we know, we need to know the following, leading after the spirit. Yeah. And Rainbow Bible Training College is a great place to go. So rbtc.org, I mean, no matter how old or, or how young you might be, whether you're 18, whether you're 26, whether you're 65 and you've retired and have nothing else to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, a lot of times people, they retire and they're doing nothing. But, man, you know, you can retire and, and you can still you know, do something for the kingdom of God. So rbtc.org. Um, um, go there. Fill the information out. We'll, we'll have someone give you a call. But, I mean, like I said, I believe you said you're, you're writing a book on, on, on being equipped. Yeah, where it's yeah. in um it's in the works. It's in the works now. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, once you get the book out, we'll have you back. I'll talk more about those things. But, you know, here at Raymond, we're bringing hope, help, and healing to the world. 